Welcome to Korean Market Conversations. I'm Kenu Wessel, and on this podcast, I'm speaking with Anthony Sanchez, a musician in Hamul who's taught many students, including myself. These days, he makes his own music and does recording and production with other bands. So let's get started. Uh, Anthony, where are you originally from? I'm from planet Earth. I was born in, uh, in National City. And I've, li- I've lived in San Diego most, most of my life, on and off other places. But Still in California, though, or did you ever move out? I traveled for months and months on end. And, um, yeah, Berkeley and, and L.A. were my two spots that I moved to and, you know, had my world shattered yeah. <laughs> in a good way, you know? Yeah. You know, what type of awakening of sorts? Yeah, just like when I got to L.A., I just learned about how hard people are actually hustling, you know? Can't just, like, hang out and... Well, you can. You're invited to hang out and play music, and that's a lot of people enjoy life like that. Um, but in L.A., it's very obvious. Oh, no, you, you're going to play, you're going to exercise, you're going to be the best you can be, and then you're going to hustle to get a gig, and you're going to, you know, it's just... Um, they're, not, they're not joking around. Yeah, right? it's a very busy lifestyle. <laughs> you, know, you can't stop yeah. moving. Right. Yeah. In Berkeley, it was more of a, like... I don't, uh, I'd say political leading to spiritual sort of like uh, just broader understanding of what, what's going on around me, which was a blessing, obviously, to, to see more. Up till now, how's that influenced you as a musician? Um, it all coincided with, with like a, uh, a deeper searching. I was trying to understand, you know, what, what I was experiencing and um, just find some, some guidance when I was in Berkeley, I met these random, all types of different people, people that you would think was crazy on the sidewalk, you know, or professors that were really like on the verge of radical, you know, as far as their political views are concerned. And yeah, for, for the period that I was up there, it definitely fed into my music. My, my last album was very political and sort of like idealistic and me sort of pointing out all the things, kind of obvious things yeah. that are really effed up with the world. You oh, know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for me, it was a good, it was a good, uh, it, was a, it was my best record. Yeah, it was the last one I did. So, um, but it, it'll be kind of silly face to face with the next one. So, you know, that's yeah. how it goes. That's yeah. a good, that's a good sign for me. No, that is good. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask, I know you play uh, guitar, bass and drums and a little bit piano, but is there anything uh, around that that you've played? Yeah, it's just... Um, if you guys don't know who Victor Wooten is, check that dude out. He wrote a book called The Music Lesson, and I read it. And my change, my change playing happened overnight. My my, <laughs> my playing changed overnight. Like he, there were some key points that he gave us in that book that um, were really easy workarounds for my mindset. And then the next day, I, I showed up, and everyone was like, "Hey, man, you sound pretty good today. What's going on?" And I was like, "Victor Wooten," you know. But anyway, um. What's the question? So, what do you what do you play? <laughs> I play music. So Victor yeah. talks about that. Like he just plays music. So if you put a flute in my hand, I'm gonna make something pretty. Uh, maybe not one of the metal ones, but like a Native American wooden flute yeah. in one yeah. key. The metal ones you have to actually know how to play. I don't know how to do that. But um, what I'm saying is, I make I'm making music all the time on whatever is in my area. If I'm clapping on rocks or just hearing it in my head or listening to the birds, whatever, I'm hearing and making music all the time. So if if the world 
ended and there was no electricity or whatever, I'd still be making music every no. day. You know? <laughs> that's part of the reason. That's not. I just love acoustic instruments. I studied uh, a lot of conga and other drums, conga, Brazilian and Cuban drumming, which I did it to make my guitar playing better. But it turned into its own little, its own passion. Like I'm by by far like not a professional at it, but it's opened my um, my guitar playing up a ton, yeah. my, or just my rhythmic understanding. You know, it makes you interested. How did you first get into music? Like, what was your first exposure to music that led you to to think like I want to do this? I want to learn this. Um, well, it was always happening when I was a kid. My dad was in a band, and they would play in the garage, in, in across the yard. And I, I have a ton of memories of like late nights, staying out later than I should have been, just, just outside listening to the music. Sometimes I'd be in the room with them. Um, so it's just a part of the family, you know. It it was really, it was just, it was something that my parents both super loved, and I just kind of gravitated to yeah. when I, I got a guitar when I was nine and I, I like made up my first song on one string you know just like I did it you know similar to your first song yeah you know? I remember that <laughs> and uh and then I didn't do much with it and um at like 12 my grandma came over and was my dad said play something for your grandma and I was like I don't know how to play anything like grumpy you know and he said sure you can play this song and he taught me this um it's called Sandman by by America it's like a classic rock tune yeah that I, I loved for some reason as a kid. And my dad was like, you can play that song. You can play this song. He started listening to all the songs that used the three chords that I knew. A minor, E minor, and D. Or I'm not even sure what it was. You know, simple chords. And I was like, damn, I could play this. I could play that. And then I just, it just never stopped. I just kept learning and writing and learning and writing. And I'm still doing that. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things that you, you should never stop. I want to say never stop improving because it's more than that. You know, it's like never stop learning and never stop exposing yourself to you know, whatever new ideas there is in music. Or just in in general, yeah. in life. That's why music for me is so powerful because it was the first agent that I had to propel my consciousness further, to push myself, to, to develop skills that only came from my hard work, you know, that you could, that can't be replaced by, by anything other than, you know, that somewhat dil diligence i don't consider myself the most diligent but my my friends that are very successful like really successful they're the hardest working people i know and i've never been working as hard as them you know in that sense to totally. like yeah. to 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 claim fame or to be the best at i've always loved writing songs you know i didn't never cared about uh being the best guitar player although i wish i would have changed my mindset a little bit because i'm doing a little catch-up you know yeah but whatever, you know, it's all good. <laughs> I find myself in, in a similar position right now as, you know, from our jam session, you could kind of tell. I definitely want to become more, you know, more in, invested in my own music playing because it's something that I really like. So I, I get where you're coming from there. Well, on that, yeah. on that point, that's super important. Like, why are you guys taking this class? Because I doubt there's a bunch of people in there that are like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rich in the music scene. If that's your goal, that's cool. You should be in this class, and you, I hope you make a lot of money. But if you're if you're in this class because you love music, then you need you gotta play music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. You don't have to. You could be the mixing engineer, but all the best producers and mixing engineers, they could play pretty much everything that comes in the studio. Yeah. You know, at least a little bit. No, I mean that's why you see a lot of even the bands. Like I'll throw a couple examples, like Linkin Park and Deftones. Their producers have writing credits on some of their songs because sure. yeah, it isn't just a band coming into the studio and writing the songs. A lot of them, you know, their producers are there for a reason. They're not just there to sit behind a mixing board and record stuff. They're also there to 
contribute to the songwriting and contribute to what makes the cut. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that most of the people that fall into like a producer or engineer or whatever um, part of music where you're not actually performing music, um, it all starts from a passion of music, just the love of music because yeah. it's the best thing just the best thing there's yeah. nothing better than good music you know yeah. so um yeah salutes to you guys for trying to for like taking the steps to understand the business because if if you just change your mindset early on and accept that it that you can make a business out of it and you start looking at it that way maybe not all the time but on occasion you know you can look at it like a game if you want we're just peeking in on the scene trying to understand it so that you can benefit yourself that doesn't mean you're you 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 somehow degraded your music because you've used another aspect of yourself to to put yourself in a better position. There's a teacher at Grossmont, Manny Cepeda. He says um, he teaches percussion. He's he's a bad dude. Um, he says I'm always a businessman unless I'm actually playing music. So if he's not practicing or performing, he's a businessman. So I, when I first heard that, I was like, I don't like that. I just want to be an artist. Da-da. But once I, when I started hearing the wisdom of what he was saying, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, of course. Got You got to, um, you don't have to, but it's it's a meaningful to, to uh, support yourself doing something that you actually love and, yeah. and be able to pull that off, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's why uh, people with those passions, with those interests, those hobbies that they want to, you know, I want to say make money off of, but want to be able to turn into a business. Um, you know, that that's what it is. I don't think many people decide I'm going to be, you know, a producer. I'm going to be a guitar player because I want to make money. A lot of people, they just want to be creative. And then the business part of it kind of comes up behind that. I'll just use majors as an example. If you want to get into business, if you want to get into mathematics, psychology, linguistics, whatever, most of the time, yeah, you are interested in it, but it's more of a business thing because it's not as artistic or as creative as um, music, just art in general. It gets quite weird when you look at it as, as a business now. How do you feel about music as a business? You know, because for some people, I think you could say that it's not mixing business with pleasure, but mixing pleasure with business because now you're taking something that you like and trying to turn it into a business. You could go either way. Yeah. And there's people that do. The the business minded there's people who just want to make money in the music industry, I promise, you know. And they're the ones making the most money. But I think we're in this wonderful situation where so many people have access to recording equipment. It's great to be inspired by um for me, it's been wonderful just meeting people on the road that I played music with and finding their music and listening to it not a lot of it's not at the quality of the music that I listen to all the time but over the years I've there's certain people that just really really inspired me and they weren't they never no, no one knows who they are you know yeah no one has any idea who they are so everyone that I know that's in music that makes money make doing something in music does a lot they they produce they perform they write they engineer you know, the, the engineer that I work in, with in L.A. at Blue Dream Studio, he does all types of stuff. He plays drums. He plays bass. He gig, he does all types of recording gigs. You know, he, he I don't know if he teaches, but he definitely could teach if he wanted to. Right? So, same thing with me. I Teaching has been my long, my most long, the thing I've been doing the longest. And I, and I love it because I get to watch people 
lights spark up. You know, music is so powerful at just turning people on. Just not sexually, but you know, just yeah. <laughs> just boom, lighting the fire, you know, of interest, of wonder. And uh, that's why I've always been just feeling so blessed about being able to teach and just work on my music without having to rely on, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to get signed or I'm not trying to put out the best, the, the greatest hit. Maybe I should be, but I do, I do, I do a lot. I work at a recording studio where I basically do everything there and I'm learning all types about, you know, building websites, uh, all the pub, the publishing, the copywriting, getting your ass cap and all that stuff. Yeah. I sort of put all that stuff on the back burner, which was a bad idea. And now I'm just learning that stuff, you know? So my attitude has changed over the years where early I just wanted to make music. I didn't care about the business. And now I'm to a point where like, oh man, my music is way better than <laughs> so much of this garbage out there. Yeah. There's no reason I shouldn't be making a, at least a little bit of money off of it, yeah. you know? And, and then recognizing, oh, okay, not that I deserve it, but that I, I have faith in my music enough to make a decent living. That has changed my attitude where, you know, 10 years ago, maybe not even that long ago, I would think, ah, oh, my music's not good enough to make this kind of money. Maybe that was true at that time, you know? So I've been on this kind of slow path. But um, for most people, every, they got to do a bunch of stuff. Like I do contracting work. I do electrical work. I paint houses on occasion, which I hate painting. You know, I got to do other stuff. But, um, and then performing is the best. You know, I've gone on tours and stuff, but it, it, with a big group of people in a crappy van and with music not being the main priority, those tours were more of like adventures across the country, which they were. They were amazing adventures. I would never trade them for anything. But as far as being pro profitable financially, it was a joke, you know. I would come home with a couple hundred bucks if we did good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and usually that, well, usually there was a little bit of money at the end, but it was nothing compared to what, we put into it, you know. And it's interesting you say that because I know for a lot of musicians, uh, big or small, a lot of the money comes from either the shows or from putting out the music. In the case of uh, of Deftones, they make most of their cash kind of playing the, those shows. If you've seen that they're uh, what they're touring is like, they tour every year. Of course, not this year because of COVID, but I think part of the reason is they don't delve into the business side as much as other bands do. If you look at like Trent Reznor or Jonathan Davis from Korn, they both have production credits. They both have done movie soundtracks. They have done, I think on some occasions, like fashion lines back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And, you know, they have money coming from all sorts of places, whereas some other musicians have their cash flow dependent on touring or on putting out records. Yeah, I think I think most most bands... Especially those type of bands, are, it's all about shows. And the, with the record labels, who, who knows how much they're actually getting from for, for the record sales. Especially with all the streaming, you know, you get this little sliver. For big bands, it's not that bad. For, for other people, it's kind of like, a, it's kind of a joke. It's yeah. Like, eh. Well, it is what it is. It's, it's a game changer. I haven't even delved into that so much. It is a weird situation because you have to really balance these things out in terms of business. I know some bands like Julian K, for instance, they fund their albums through Indiegogo. Mm -hmm. So they'll set like a goal, $35,000 to record the album, put it on a CD and put it on Spotify. And they usually meet that goal. And I think it's a good 
model for them because they're not going to lose any money now making that putting that record out yeah you know? and they're probably going to own the publishing i don't know if they're on the who, who you're talking about yeah. but if you're if you're funding your own record there's not some weird clause in your record deal where oh yeah by the way you got to pay us back for the record we recorded you yeah. in a millions of dollars studio you got to pay for that you know yeah. and that's how a lot of these artists get get you know i don't know i don't know if it's really trapped but tricked you know and then there's also aside from indiegogo you know these platforms where you can fund yourself you also have these smaller labels yeah, I have no idea what what a contract looks like. Like, can you buy a house on on a deal like that? <laughs> there was a period where I was that was sort of my dream, right? To get signed or to find a, someone that would support me financially. I don't know when that didn't happen. At a certain time, I just cha- my attitude just shifted, and I was you know I want to just I'm I'm trying to make music. What was the most stressful situation working in music for you? I would say it's like it being on the road with the 12 people in a stinky van and where music isn't the priority, where it's just about the adventure. I got pretty... I mean, I did it for like five years. We went on a couple tours a year. It was a blast. But at the end, I was just like, I want different music. I want to do this with music that excites me, that I think is empowering and just like crazy, unbelievably good. The guys that I were playing with were awesome. We just were we were we were wanting different things musically, but yeah, let's let's see. Uh, just you know, actually trying to run a studio with having professionals in. Like I had a horn, uh, it was not a whole set. Uh, it was just trumpet, sax, and trombone came in, and I was I was engineering the session, and we were we were up at the studio, the Mulberry Studio, and someone had worked in the studio be- the few days before that I didn't know was going to be there and like rerouted a bunch of the stuff behind the desk so as I'm like trying to hit record nothing's showing up in the DAW and I'm like starting to get a little warm and then the guys are getting antsy and they're kind of like mumbling at me like come on dude you know this kind of thing or telling telling my boss oh you better hire someone else you know just messing with me but but being serious you know what's taking so long yeah and uh, and then just having to like calm my mind down and be like we're gonna follow the mic cable we're gonna do the whole path let's, you know and not assume anything and then I fixed it within a couple minutes and we had a really awesome session but it's things like that for me that really I don't like playing music is it generally really fun I don't play a lot of music that I'm not comfortable with like if you catch me playing jazz it's it's like at my friend's house you know <laughs> you're not gonna see me uh, on stage pretending to be like jazz player um those um, those like early gigs when i was playing jazz where i was really it was it was so early i had no idea what i was doing that was, wasn't a lot of fun it was really stressful but it encouraged me to like i went home and practiced and uh it's it, so that's a really good thing to do is throw yourself in the fire like that it's like they say there's always a bigger fish and it really feels like that in music because even when i go on youtube and i see these like crazy guitarists like you know rob scallon or uh, what's his name? Uh, Ichika? I don't know his last name. He's really awesome Japanese dude. Even when you find those guys, there's always going to be somebody else that's like, man, this guy's even better. That shouldn't be something to discourage anybody from getting into music. Well, you know? if it does discourage you, like, repeatedly, then you're probably not into music because most people I know when they see someone badass just uh, do amazing things musically, we're like, oh my gosh. We'll say we gotta qu- we're quitting as a joke, but we're really going to go home and, and practice. And- yeah. And watch a video of that and learn that new scale or whatever yeah. whatever it is because that's just 
that's what love of music does. You just keep, you just keeps going. You know, I, yeah. I think I don't think it should ever end the process. That's why I love jazz. The jazz guys, the older jazz cats that are still playing. Oh my god, dude, <laughs> they're the craziest musicians. You know, and uh, and the, their age isn't limiting. You know, at a certain point it will, but you know what I mean. You could play music for a long time. Music is just so important, like culturally speaking. That mm. you know, I was reading about polyglots, right? Not that this applies to every polyglot, but it's found that a lot of people who can speak more than three languages that they pass for personalities traits that involve like very open mindedness. You know that the yeah, because and part of it comes from when you learn another language, it's not just learning the rules and all that. You have to learn about the culture, and yeah, like when you go to music, I think a lot of musicians, for the most part, are open minded. Not to say you know, there's obviously some who are closed minded. Mm. I think you told me once that uh. You had a teacher who thought the power chord did not count as a chord because it only had two notes. <laughs> and I think, you know, when it comes to being a, a musician, especially when you're listening to all kinds of stuff or just playing all kinds of stuff, you keep wanting to find that, that new thing or you're always open to hear something that, you, that you've never heard before, right? Right. And every day can be a new, a new wondrous experience. You know, you could, if you, if you find music that you really like and it, it just so happens to be like good, <laughs> that can unfold into all you know if you if you find a um, a cuban style that you really like and you go look up that rhythm then you find someone else it just keeps going and it's just endless and it is a part of every single culture it's a it's an important part i don't think we actually as a whole recognize how important it is i can't exactly tell you all the ways no on that topic though um i was also gonna bring up like lullabies right Again, I don't have right. any examples I can think of right now, other than knowing that the lullabies that I'm familiar with in English are different from the ones in Spanish. And I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure if you go to different parts of the world, you're going to run into that. You know, That's a good point. I just heard a crazy story about lullabies in in some tribes, some native tribes. They will, the mother will, when the I don't know if it's the day the, the child is born or while it's still in her uh, belly, but there, the, the child will have a song that, and everyone will know it. So as the child is growing, like say the mom's off collecting water or whatever it is, and something happens, whoever's watching that child also knows the song. So they'll sing that song to the child to comfort them, and da, 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 right? And it also individualizes the person. It lets them know that, hey, you have your own song. You are your own person, right? Uh, even in a, in, a, in a tight community, like, like a tribe like that, there's still... They're still um, acknowledging the individual and and then as as the person grows up and say becomes an adult and they have certain issues or they forget who they are they become violent or hateful or whatever it is the community will sing them the song to remind them of who who where they came from and all the love that they that they had growing up and so they can kind of reconnect to the you know i don't know if you want to call it a more positive place but uplifted place and um and and just recognize how how maybe shitty they've been you know yeah <laughs> so i think and when i heard that story i was like wow what that is so perfect like everyone every culture should have that how did yeah. how did we miss that yeah. shit you know but it's the lullabies that you heard as a kid that your mom or dad sang or whoever sang to you those are so hardwired in us that i always tell my students those are the songs you should you should know how to play that those songs on every instrument in every key they should be they could be the the quick route to to really understanding theory and and just having a musical um, 
ability to to navigate musically. I'm I'm not sure how many people do this. I haven't met anybody in person that does, but I have a good friend in Michigan. We're both really into collecting CDs and cassettes and stuff like that. And our reasoning is because we're kind of like preserving the music of the bands we're really into. More so because we've been able to get a hold of these like rare clone CDs, acetates, samplers, even demos. And it's like you said, it's some of these bands are really obscure, but it's reached us. We're really passionate about it. Yeah. Not to like say, I don't mean it in the sense that it's like to, what do you call it? Um downplay other people's efforts it shows how long of a way you can go you know yeah, I, yeah. If whatever you're interested in will take if you just follow that it's going to lead you to something else that you're yeah. interested in you know and that's the that's the blessing that we have of, of technology today just like everything's a double-edged sword technology definitely is a double-edged sword but if we're using it to create and promote our own ourselves our own creations then heck yeah use it you know yeah. if you um zombie out on some netflix for a couple of weeks you know we can all agree that that's not the best that's not the best way to spend your life yeah. <laughs> but uh it happens you know it's an interesting subject there's like so much going on in music right now more than ever because of technology and because of how business is now extended beyond the major labels working on music in a small capacity is really interesting yeah you know yeah that's why it's such a big industry because there's so many different avenues of interest areas of interest i just visited my uncle he has like freaking hundred different guitar books it was well some of them were like how to play guitar but a lot of them were just books about the physical thing the guitar like how it was built and how to fix them and stuff you know like there's a whole industry in just that it's just it is it's because it's such a big part of every everything like some cultures believe, you know, in the Bible it says God spoke and then all these things happened, right? We literally came out of God's voice, okay? Yeah. You know, there's other cultures that say like the, the gods won't come down from the skies without without singing with or without music. So there's this definite like, you know, I'm, I know I'm taking it kind of crazy, but it's it's literally a part of everything. So if you want to work with it, there's always there's always space. Yeah, and space is a big thing. Just make sure you're putting some space in your music. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Uh, so the the business side can be creative. It should be. Creative. Yeah. The more creative you you are with it, the better you're gonna be. The the more the more money you're gonna make. Of course. As far as um you know working towards the uh, the the money part, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Like, the artist should be making money. You know, if their content, if their music is good and powerful or whatever it is if people like it, it doesn't even have to be good if people like some stuff that i think is awful you know and it makes a ton of money that's cool <laughs> and the and the people who like my friend um breezy or anderson pack he's making he does, he's not finding success he's been hustling harder than anyone i know for 10 15 years before he started making these big these big steps so and but to him his career was his creation when they were practicing he would see himself in these big venues he was practicing he in his mind he was already selling out stages he was already writing the coolest songs he was already doing tracks with dr dre for a lot of people just came out of nowhere but his friends that were with him the whole time watched we i watched 20 different shows where there was nobody there you know it's just an empty bar with like a handful of people 
what I would use this opportunity to say to the people in your class, change your attitude. You, you can be an artist and a business person. There's nothing... Now, there, there is, like, this line where, like, if you start changing your music so that it makes money, most likely you're going to make some garbage. That doesn't mean you can't be a good artist and a business person. And then the other thing that I would... Just main point is to come to a place where you can guide yourself by your own instincts, your own um, interest, no matter how insignificant they might be. When you're following your own voice, I my, it's been my experience that that unfolds into way more profound and beautiful, exciting life instead of doing what other people tell me to do all the time. Like you got a regular job, you got to do what you're told, but. Um, the rest of your day doesn't mean you have to go and like watch what you're told and listen to what you're told to, you know, really go after what you're truly interested and fascinated by. And then, and music will take you to all types of cool places. You're trying to make a really amazing record, but you're, you're out partying every night. It's likely not going to happen very soon. Or if you're just not making music and you really want to make music, but you're just not doing that, you know? You have to carve out time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else? Music. Oh, and then just learn all types of skills. Don't be don't be just the guy that can play samba. You know, be be the guy that can play samba and metal. So try uh, all the different things and be creative about how ways of making money because people want to support creative projects, especially people like people. Everybody, you know, people who don't have their own creative pursuits, they really are inspired by creative people. And people who do have creative pursuits are also inspired by creative people. <laughs> so if you if you have something to offer, you know, make it available. And, and um, if it's genuine, people will support it, you know. Nothing better than just the most genuine things like cooking, you know. <laughs> right. Nothing's better than a, than a meal made by somebody, you know, just for you. Yeah, you know? that, that <laughs> has love in their heart for you, right? Yeah. Yep. And when you can start doing that to your music and to your food and to yourself, then then you know, beautiful stuff starts to happen. Well, it was a pleasure having you on Cream Conversations. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.